By the way, keep in mind, this is episode one. It's our very first recording. If you notice some inconsistency in sound, well, we're getting better every day. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm Kelsey. The Goodness Pays Leadership Podcast is about how goodness can be a strategy for good leadership. Our purpose is to spark positivity in leaders like you so you can radiate goodness today and every day. Our mission is to spread goodness because we believe goodness pays. I'm Paul Botts, the founder and CEO of Good Leadership Enterprises and the creator of the Good Leadership Breakfast Series. I make my living as an author, executive coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Kelsey Meyer-Shockle. I'm a leadership coach, facilitator, the co-host of the Goodness Pays podcast, and a new mom. You can find more information about us on goodleadership.com website. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can subscribe at iTunes and goodleadership.com. We invite you to leave ratings, reviews, and of course, comments. This podcast is recorded in the Aspiration Suite of our offices in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Today's podcast features one of our most popular speakers who had appeared at our breakfast series. It's a live leadership development event where more than 200 guests gather to network, participate in audience discussions, and explore what's possible in their own leadership. Our speakers uh, talk about the intersection of their personal and professional life, and they specifically speak to how goodness pays for them. Today's speaker is Richard Leiter. He's a legend in the leadership coaching and human development field. Yeah, he's one of the world's foremost authorities on the power of purpose in life and leadership. He's written 10 books, sold over a million copies, and has had them printed in 20 different languages. Um, I invited him to speak because he's really the guy I want to be when I grow up. And I find it fascinating how when people who want to be athletes or artists or musicians, they can buy a ticket and they can go watch that performer perform and they can say, hey, I was in the same room as name that artist. The reason I invited him to speak at our breakfast is because I wanted to be in the same room as Richard Leiter. It was certainly (laughs) awesome for me. Yeah, it was amazing. Okay, so I love it when our speakers give us sort of a really simple main point and uh, it was really awesome when Richard said that we we can all have a universal purpose that we can share around this idea that we can grow and give, that that can be our purpose. If every day we're growing and giving, that that can be something that really unites us. I, I love that. How about you? Yeah. I personally felt a huge press, pressure release from that because there's that sense that it's, purpose can feel so big. He kind of talked about that, but he basically just said, here you go. If you haven't narrowed into what your purpose is, here's a default purpose for you. To live with and so growing and giving with that um, and I think as I step back from it too to me the grow and give is like it's that underneath part for what anyone's specific purpose is it's what's feeding it well it's the goodness and that's why we're doing this podcast yeah. but I, I've seen the look on people's eyes in the coaching process when we put out things like a personal mission statement <laughs> and talk about purpose and people just say oh my word this is this is deep and wide, and I'm not prepared at all. So I, I agree with you. It was a relief mm-hmm. to have him uh, suggest a purpose that we can follow. Yeah. Well, I um, that was towards the end of his prepared remarks for us. I really liked how he got us started by being really simple about why is purpose important. Um, let's listen to that right away. Why is purpose important? Many of you here who know me know that for decades I've been interviewing people over the age of 65, asking them because throughout history, we've sat around fires with elders asking them questions about the future and about life. 
So I, I've been interviewing elders. Now that I'm 72, I'm going to bump that up to 75. But, uh, <laughs> but I've been interviewing people over the age of 65 and asking, if you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? And three things that I always acknowledge uh, are these that come up all the time. Number one, people say I would be more reflective the second time around. I would push the pause button, step back, look at the big picture. Wisdom really is seeing the big picture, but knowing what moves to make when you see that picture. So when I said, well, why didn't you reflect? And people said, busy. Wouldn't matter what decade it was. Wouldn't matter what technology it was. Busyness. Too often, we suffer from hurry sickness. Uh, and that hijacks the human moment. It hijacks reflection. And when they did reflect, it was often through a crisis, through something that really forced them to reflect. Good leadership is about reflection. It's about pausing to stay uh, with a wise, larger lens on life and, and leadership. Second theme was that people said if they could live their life over again, they would take more risks a second time around. They'd be more courageous. Two areas. It wasn't about financial risk taking. It wasn't about physical risk taking. Number one regret people had was about career. Why? Because we spend 60% of our life working. When you add it all up, it's the largest block of your life. And it's more than half of your waking hours in your lifetime. And so people had regrets that they didn't find out better fit earlier in life or that they didn't find a way to invest in that 60%, which I'll talk about. Uh, the third thing was purpose. Every person I've talked to wants to leave their mark, wants to leave their footprint, their thumbprint. It's part of our DNA as human beings. Mattering matters. And every human being wants their life to matter. And every human being is an experiment of one. They all define it differently. Reflection, courage, intention, and purpose or meaning are the three themes that have gone through all of my work over time. Yeah, you said a lot there. We could spend a while talking about the different things that came up. I'm curious what came up for you. Well, he's certain, first of all, he's a master of articulation. Anybody that's been studying something for that long certainly makes, makes a subject that's kind of big and ominous and something very clear when we're talking about risk and courage and purpose. But I, I like the phrase he used about good leadership is about reflection. It's interesting, you and, you and I coach these leaders a lot every day, and um, most of the time they re resist the reflection exercises that we give them in the beginning, and they want to kind of get to the doing. And just, just this week I was uh, in Los Angeles coaching a CEO of a really complex organization, and he took away the goal to find 20 minutes a day on a 10-day vacation just to listen to his own thoughts. I thought that was fascinating, and that's exactly what Byer's talking about there, is that you know, good leadership really is about reflection and pause, so we can kind of prepare ourselves for everything. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, well, I, I, that resonated so much for me, because it's true in my own life, it's true in my coaching. Like you said, I think that's some of the gift that we get to give coaches, is even in just those sessions, those minutes of pause and reflect. Um, but it, it tied back to something he says later that I don't know will play. He talked about how when you're able to pause and reflect, you become a choice maker. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've seen a value in this too, is it's that time to say, instead of just living and reacting and going, it's to step back and be intentional and thoughtful about what choices you're making. Yeah. 
hey, you just triggered something else in my mind. One of my private conversations that I had with him, he and I have had a mentoring relationship for about five years. And one of our conversations we had, he said to me that, we were talking about midlife crisis, which is something you don't quite understand yet. <laughs> but um, uh, I feel like I've been through mine, and he and I had a really interesting conversation about that. And he said to me, you know you're through it when you don't really care anymore if today's your last day. Hmm. And the, the idea was that if you really thought it through and you've been intentional and you've done the things that mattered most to you, if you don't care anymore that today's your last day, that can really change things. And the only way you get there is by understanding purpose and understanding your reflection. And I'm not saying that's the right kind of activity for somebody in their early 30s to be going through, but early 50s, absolutely. And I, I learned that from him. Well, that is so interesting, too, because I hear there's a tension with that to what he also talked about, which is what's the reason you wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. right? Are you okay with living your last day and then also having a reason to wake up in the morning? Yeah. And being able to live with both of those fully, I think, mm -hmm. is, I think some of the best life principles and the things I see myself and coaches applying are things that have that sort of tension. Mm -hmm. So that tension for me was when I decided that I really wanted to talk about this goodness subject. Um, that it's controversial. And uh, uh, one of the things that he helped me do was to understand kind of how to frame it in ways that we can get as many people possible to sort of climb into the subject so we could at least talk about it. And he, um, he articulated that the, the technique he taught me was this idea about understanding the myths. And so that's another thing that he talked about in his conversation with us that I think we should cut to right now. And there are three myths that people hold about uh, purpose that to see if any of these are there for you. Number one myth that I hear people say is, oh, you have to have a cause. You have to get up in the morning and save the world. I have to quit my day job and go to work for a nonprofit or go to Africa or do something like that. No, purpose is not a cause. Purpose is a mindset. It's who you bring to your cause. It's who you bring to work every day. It's who you bring as a leader. It's who you bring as a parent. It's a clear intention to act in a certain way. It's a mindset. And that mindset can be brought to, to any situation you're in, including the concentration camp. Second myth about purpose is that purpose is a revelation. I just live long enough or have the right luck or meet the right people, I too will discover my purpose. No, purpose is not. It can be a revelation. It can come through a crisis. It can come through something in our, in our lives that opens us up to who we really are, to our authenticity as, as a human being. But purpose is a practice. It's something you get up and do every single day. And through that practice comes the revelation, the fulfillment, the happiness that um, people seek in, in their lives. And I'll share three practices in just a minute. The third myth is that purpose is a luxury, only for the wealthy, only for the well-educated, only for those who are, have the time to, at some day when I retire, then I'll, I'll get at my purpose. No, purpose is not a luxury. It is fundamental at every socioeconomic level as we measure it. Who gives more money percentage-wise? People at the lower rungs of the economic level or people at the higher rungs? The answer is lower. 
it is in our it's an evolutional impulse to make things better. Human beings are here for a reason. And every human being is an experiment of one to make things better. So that concept of an evolutional impulse to make things better, yeah. uh, that to me is at the center of this concept that we call goodness. You know, he, he taught me a lot through understanding those myths, just how to frame up our subject. So what did you hear when he started talking about the myths? Yeah, um, no, a lot. So I, the thing that, the one that sticks out to me the most is this idea that purpose is not a revelation, but a practice. One, because I think it goes back to making it less intimidating, right? It's something that you can do something about versus waiting for your purpose to Yeah, you, you. Can, you can grow and give every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think um, where I would take it a step farther is thinking about with time in your life, I think your specific purpose out of that grow and give becomes clearer and clearer as you get understand your giftings, your passions, and then find those right opportunities or see those right opportunities in front of you to apply them. So it, again, it's that tension where you can have the grow and give and that's this more big purpose, but you don't have to be specific yet on, at least that's what I think in my early 30s, uh -huh, yeah, uh -huh. exactly how that shapes up. So this idea of when you talk about uh, one of the myths is that purpose is a luxury. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that the people who have the, le the least amount of money are giving the most from a percentage-wise standpoint, um, that's, a, that's motivating to me. Mm -hmm. the, the generosity is something that we think, you know, the idea that what goes around comes around, generosity is in the center of that. And if you want the benefit of the doubt from people, and if you want people to really uh, show up in good ways, you've got to extend the benefit of the doubt and show up in good ways. The generosity is not just a money concept, and I think it's easier to be generous that way if you have a clear purpose. You're not you're not floundering or searching or trying things um, on other people. Uh, that to me, that, that spoke really loudly to me. I love that, and I love framing generosity as bigger than money, because I think we, we get so trapped in that lens, and recognizing it's, for a lot of white-collar workers, generosity is in time and in listening and intention. So the idea, I wonder, um, our listeners, I, I wonder how many people have actually thought about uh, purpose and have come to the conclusion um, that having a clear purpose is a real luxury and it doesn't require a big position, it doesn't require a lot of money, it just requires the, um, the desire and the intention to go figure out what it is. That's, that's something to be interesting to, uh, to have a conversation with people about. Yeah, and I wonder, I think for me, layering into that is how do you have that bigger picture desire and then how day in and day out do you do the practice of waking up and saying, how will I grow today and how will I give today? Yeah, very, very cool. Um, I feel like I should close the loop on the idea about what the myths are. Yeah. So he and I, we sat in this very room and had this conversation, and we together articulated three myths related to goodness that I don't think we've actually demystified as well as he has. But those three would be the first, that, that goodness is a religious concept that has no place in business. Um, my first thought about that is that if you look at the values that most organizations create, almost all of them come from some sort of a religious concept. So yeah, does religion belong in business? Maybe not, but the ideas underneath them certainly do. Honesty, integrity, fairness, those kinds of things. 
Um, the second one is that um, that goodness is soft and that it can't be measured. So therefore, it really isn't important or doesn't really make a difference. And we've now learned that you know there's all sorts of things that can be made. I know you have some passion around this idea that soft things don't matter. What comes to your mind when I yeah. say that? I just have this visual of a backbone to goodness. There's strength in um, in being good and well-intentioned and there's there's a piece around goodness that you and I have talked about where it's sometimes harder to do the right thing or set a boundary than it is to just go along with how things have been. There's, there's a stance in it. So that really reminds me of the third thing that he and I talked about, which is that um, if you lead with goodness, you're too nice and you can be easily mm -hmm. exploited. And I think the idea that knowing what you stand for and what you don't stand for, and sometimes giving someone the really tough love, where you tell them really tell them what you think in order to make you both better, uh, I don't think that's uh, exploitable, and I actually don't think that's too nice either. Yeah, that's uh, you're just defining what we do as coaches often. Yeah, it's a great job, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Honesty with warmth. Uh huh. Um, so the other thing that I know you and I were both really intrigued by was. Piece he talked about what he sees as his future. So remind me, how, how old was Richard? I think you mentioned. Yes. Yeah, he said 72. Yeah. And, um, so he's about 20 years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, one of the things we get to do at the Good Leadership Breakfast is um, after the speaker uh, has their defined time, we call it a, a TED Talk, the audience then gets a chance to discuss in a round table, and then I take the speaker up on stage and we sit on bar stools and I get a chance to interview. I, I try to ask questions that um, the people in the audience would have on their minds. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of, of, of hosting the Leadership Breakfast. You're right, and I did ask him um, about what was in the future for him, so can we cut to that? People always ask, I'm seven years past standard retirement. They say, well, when are you <laughs> gonna retire? And I said, well, I've been studying retirement for a long time, and the answer is, I'm not retiring. Mm -hmm. I'm in prime time, I've worked a long time to have a platform and to continue to grow and learn, mm -hmm. and I feel most alive, more alive now than perhaps ever. Mm -hmm. Lucky in a lot of different ways. But, um, so I'm gonna continue to write, and I'm gonna continue to push more deeply into the, lead, the purposeful leader space. I think what you said earlier, the world is hungry for purposeful leaders, and leaders who really know who they are and can act from that, and are willing to be courageous to act uh, from, from that core. What, what are your first thoughts? Well, my first thought is here's the guy that I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and so why would I be thinking about retirement at 72? Uh, I'm thinking about a lot of people in my life. My father uh, was a veterinarian who practiced up until the final healthcare incident that took his life, uh, 78. Um, his father uh, farmed his farm until he died at 84. And uh, my grandmother lived to 103, and she played the organ in the church till she was 99 because they took her car keys away. And so I'm thinking to myself that um, I feel like I'm just getting into prime time, and I'm empowered by people like him who are thinking about living the last third of their life differently than you know playing golf. Right. Mm -hmm. Which he might still play some golf. I, I, I will definitely. Play <laughs> if I know golf. you. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. What he didn't finish his point on the research that at least the research that I'm aware of with retirement is. The year you're most likely to die the year you're born and the year you retire. Like those are the death rate ages. So I, I think what he's getting at there is we lose something so valuable. Mm -hmm. And I, and obviously it's tied to this theme of purpose. Mm -hmm. So we do often find purpose.
just in the work that we do and we talked about here, what you see um, in your family. It struck me that my husband and I are actually meeting with our financial planner today, uh -huh. okay. who is a couple decades ahead of us. And one thing we could not get her head around was that we don't want to retire either. You know, it's not this age for us. And, and so how do you, I think that's also already in my mindset. How do we live life? Um, there's this concept of mini retirements. Okay. I know you're taking a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this that's right. right. How do you find space? Because you never know if you have tomorrow. So how do you find the space in your life as it is now to experience the benefits of retirement without losing your sense of purpose? Yeah, so the, um, I think rethinking retirement has a lot to do with purpose. Mm -hmm. If your purpose is a lot bigger than work, which is one of the things he talked about earlier in his talk, that, that these kind of ideas, while untraditional, can be embraced easier. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's all good. Um, um, there was one other thing that he said that we did not play on the clip. But the idea that, um, you know, looking to find the purpose and everything and, and find the extraordinary in the ordinary, um, that was insightful to me too because I find that what keeps me going in good times and in bad and in coaching and stuff is asking the question, where's the goodness in this? And it's not just, let's find a needle in the haystack. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a bigger question than that. So when I say that to you, what comes to mind when we say, where's the goodness in this? They, the thing that I tie it to is actually the spreading of the goodness. Mm -hmm. the, it's about how do you, because hit the grow and give is all about mm -hmm. how do you make the world better. Uh -huh. And to, so to me, the goodness in his talk is about how do we make how do you show up so that you're intentionally making your world better? Yeah, and so um, the, the leader we talked about in Los Angeles who's going to do the 20-minute listen-to-himself thing, mm -hmm. um, for him, uh, things are difficult, really difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, the most difficult they've ever been in his career. And for him, the idea was, yeah, I need to find some piece of goodness in this and make it grow every day. That mm -hmm. that's what will help him get his edge back, his resilience, and his sense of long-term. Yeah. Because when we lose our effectiveness, we start to think of things in a very short cycle. And there's a lot of fear in that. We could talk about fear in many different ways um, uh, at, at another time. Well, I'm, uh, um, I'm really satisfied with the time we got to spend together. You know, in the journey of podcasting, we're very much in the early stages of this. and Very pre-retirement. Yep, that's right. <laughs> and we're not really sure exactly how the interaction with these speakers that people hear know um, from our breakfast that we saw live is gonna work but I'm I'm satisfied I, I had a lot of fun today yeah thanks so much for including me in this it's so it's so fun to learn again from what we've already heard one of the things Paul you and I talked about doing at the end of our sort of reflecting on whatever the speaker had said was thinking about an inspirational call to action so I will kick that off to you I think we should be really literal and take uh, Richard up on his idea that we should think about how are we growing and how are we giving every day. Um, that could be the lowest common denominator of all of us who are searching for a purpose. Uh, I think the world would be a much better place. So I would hope that anyone listening to this will go to bed tonight and think, how did I grow and give today? And if you can repeat that concept in the morning and at night, uh, that would be terrific. That's reflective, and Richard said that was important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the flip side of the reflective piece is the intention. So how do you wake up in the morning and set an intention around someone that you will give to and the way that you will grow? So I'm going to sign up for that because I do the reflective part. Okay. But I want to take on that action. Yeah, terrific. Okay, so then uh, 
we all we should make sure we always sign off with the most important point for these uh, podcasts. So, uh, what is the most important point? Goodness pays. Yes, goodness pays. Mm-hmm.